0: You know, I'm I'm really app. Oh, here we go. I'm really agnostic. I'm agnostic. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm not a big fan of apps. Power to live more with Joe Dodds.
1: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast. All about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more, and by that I mean how they focus on productivity, organization, well-being, energy, and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future, but rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's is interviewing Scott Gold. Jo and Scott met by Engage for Success, the national non-for-profit movement all around employee engagement that Joe works with on a freelance basis. Scott is a writer, speaker and advisor currently focusing on engagement strategy and helping global brands answer the question, how do we get people to be highly engaged around our mission? A former church minister, conference fan and creative director, he's passionate about bringing people together around soulful ideas, especially in an offline way. Back to the studio. Today I'm joined by Scott Gould, who's an independent consultant. Hi Scott, thanks for joining me.
0: Joe, 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 thanks for having me.
1: Great to have you here. So start by telling us a bit about you, what you do and crucially, where you do it.
0: (laughs) So uh, I'm an engagement strategy consultant. Um, It's a field that I've been working in for almost 20 years in one form or another. But I have spent the last years, uh, last two years actually providing consulting services for clients. Um, And I do this from my house, from my home or from a cafe around the corner or occasionally on the road whilst we're driving with our kids to somewhere that we need to go. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it sounds a bit like me. The amount of calls I've yeah, had in the yes. car or in odd places <laughs> on the beach or whatever. <laughs> in fact, I should tell Precisely. a story. I should tell a story one day about my cousin who runs her business from her wherever she's camping and has uh, answered calls while fishing in the boat. <laughs> Told everyone to be quiet while she does That like. is
0: fantastic. It's a very oh, oh, new oh, oh. call and it, and it works I, so well. <laughs> I'm going to put that one on my bucket list. I've not done that yet, but to, <laughs> to be done.
1: Exactly. So paint a picture for that sort of home office thing. Where Do you work in a particular room of the house or is it uh, more informal?
0: Uh, so, so in our house, we have um, we have three bedrooms. One of those is my wife and mine. Um, one is for my two daughters. The other bedroom is for my one year old son and me. And so I share an office with my one-year-old son, which means twice a day when he has his nap, I go out of my office and either go to the cafe around the corner or try to find a quiet spot in my home, which if the kids were around, doesn't happen. <laughs> um, so normally means that instead I decide, sod it, let's play with the kids, I'll chase them, and then I might pick up my work again in the evening once I've settled the kids.
1: <laughs> Lovely. I do like uh, to, to know that people uh, are living that... Uh integrated life that's that's how we work in our house too so
0: <laughs> yes integrated is a great way of saying it sounds far better than the way that i describe it as solid
1: <laughs> lovely so um tell us a bit about how you organize your day how you get going uh in the mornings do you have a particular routine i guess with three children it's probably uh, a bit hectic regardless so yeah y- you,
0: you, you know um something that i think is really important is that we're flexible as people, um, particularly when we are working from home. So I used to be a church minister, and when I was, and that was when I had two daughters and I didn't have my son, and they were both sleeping through the night fine, I would wake up at 4.30 in the morning and spend three hours praying and studying the Bible, right? now, <laughs> Not everyone would do that, of course, but that's what I did, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But I could do that because my kids weren't waking up till 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning anyway. There wasn't the school run. It was fine. Now I have a one-year-old that's only just really sleeping through the night, and sometimes he still wakes up at 5.30 in the morning. And so that routine no longer exists for me. I was not a minister, and yeah. <laughs> my life's changed a bit, but... Um, but what I do have is I read a very good book called The Power of When. I forget who wrote it. But the idea is, is it tries to lay out what are the optimum times in the day for you doing different things.
1: So what, and, are, you? Um, what are you? What are you? What type of animal?
0: Oh, you've read the book then. I have. Yeah, so I, you <laughs> have. So I'm the, um, I'm the bear, which I think is what the majority of people are, right, yeah. is the bear. Yeah, um, so I'm a bear. 7 to 11. So what that
1: means yeah. Right? yeah
0: so what, yeah, something like that, so what that means is um, i mean i 'm actually really good when I wake up for, when I wake up early and i 'm writing i do my best writing early in the morning during the day well during the, during the late morning i 'm better for doing admin i prefer to meet people in the afternoon and then I prefer to do creative work in the evening, so I have four Slots of the day that I will slot in different bits of work as I need to get them done, and of course, normally in a day I'll work, say, two of those shifts. I won't do all four, right? So I'll do a, a, a morning and an afternoon, or I do an early morning and a late evening, or, or whatever it might be, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm a, a wolf, so I'm. Uh, You're I'm a wolf. Oh, late, a late night person. Yeah, I work late yeah. and get up late, <laughs> but I have.
0: I. I, well, I used to be a wolf. That's you were a lion as well a... when you were a minister, if you were getting up at 3.30. I was. Well, <laughs> that was it. I changed. I changed to become a lion, which was great. Um, but then, obviously, kids and everything, I've had to go back to being a bear. But I, th- I just think it's encouraging that you can change, and particularly now with kids, right? Come 10 o'clock, my wife and I are shattered. Mm. Like, <laughs> I've got no energy to go any further whatsoever. So yeah. I just call into bed at 10 o'clock and I'm, I'm down. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's interesting. I think also, as you sort, sort of... Said you know society's not set up for different types as well. So um, I've changed as time has gone on because of having my daughter and her going to school at yes. certain times, all that sort of stuff. And she is a wolf, and she can't cope with the getting up early thing. And we could we've never been able to get her to go to bed at a sensible time. Everyone else would be going, oh, you know, my three year old is asleep by six thirty, and I'd be like, my three year old's still awake at nine o'clock. We've <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> yeah. got the video of her where she was reading a book and uh and she finishes the book and runs off to the bedroom and i go oh that's good then is it time for bed now then she went no not yet
0: <laughs> she up for another
1: book <laughs> <work. laughs>
0: yeah well you, you know what i think that flexibility is just so important you know i mean i love routines i thrive under routines um but i've got to i've got to shape them i can't let them shape me because just i've got a young family and that's just what i need for this season right now and um I think there are some benefits of that as well, aren't there? Because it actually makes you go, okay, what's important to be done and what can I just leave by the wayside and say, you know what, let's just forget about that. Um, And I think that's another thing that having a young family possibly helps you do is it makes you prioritise.
1: So when you talk about the different types of activities and and slotting them into different parts of the day, do you very sort of clearly do that so when you're arranging something you know that there's a certain time of day where you'll be arranging it for or do you find that that doesn't work very well
0: no I, I i aim to do that i'm not as hot on it as i normally am at the moment so as i say i will normally arrange for meetings to be in the afternoon if someone wants to do the morning and they can't make another time or if i'm meeting a prospective client of course i do and i and i will will do whatever time suits them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but generally, meetings in the afternoon, and generally if I've got, you know, there's that Brian Tracy book, Eat, eat That Frog. Yep. Um, so normally I choose to eat the frog in the morning and just sit down and knuckle on. That is, but I'll do that from about 10 o'clock. I'll spend the first hour just, you know, from say 9 till 10, just reviewing, journaling, getting my mind in order, because a lot of my work is ideation and frameworking and coming up with clever solutions to difficult problems so I make sure I invest Mm. in my mind's ability to do that on a daily basis
1: Mm. so what about at the end of the day I talk to people sometimes and they talk about oh you know I I leave the office at you know five o'clock or you know shut my office door and life you know then happens and that that isn't what I do because I do work in the evenings because you know of the the uh, wolf tendencies you obviously do some evening stuff too how do you make that happen and do you and do you have like a a wind down at the end so that you are ready um to go to sleep or is it as you said you've got three young children so <laughs> you don't need any help
0: <laughs> this is something i'm really bad at at the moment and again and, I, and i'm okay with that i'm okay with myself being bad at, it, at the moment um i you know i don't finish work and i think most people work at home and get this sense of it's just a never-ending you know, string of stuff that you're always thinking about and doing. You never switch off. Um, and it, what's hard for me is that switching off. So at the end of the work day, it's five or six o'clock. I really struggle to transition back into family time. Um, it's really difficult for me. I, f- I find it monumentally difficult. So um, I'm trying to do things like go for a walk. Um, so literally get out of the house, go for a walk, come home, and now I'm in. You know, now I'm in family mode. It takes, you know, say, three hours to have dinner, bath the kids, get them into pyjamas, do bedtime stories, get them to sleep. And by that point, I feel like I need to do more work. And I probably don't. It's a bad compulsion I need to check and kind of get get sorted in my life, really. The other thing that I'll often do is play Sudoku to wind myself down. I love Sudoku, and I'm pretty good at it as well, I have to say. I'm
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Pretty well practiced.
1: <laughs> that sounds good. So... What about getting stuff done then? So um, you have obviously got you know lots of different things going on, and you've you've thought about different times of the day to do things. You've talked about eat the frog, sort of early on. Um, mm. How do you make sure you get done what you need to get done on a daily and weekly basis? Uh,
0: so there's an exceptional book that you you and, uh, and the listeners have probably heard of called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Yeah. Yep, um, I've listened to that book on CD about six, seven times. Uh, it is fantastic, and I really have adopted the the you know the the ideology of essentialism into my life. Yeah. Um, so I, I endeavour to do as little as I can, um, and make and have as much margin and buffer in my life so that I can focus on the things that I know I add the most value with. Which for me again is my I. Ideas, am, am I thinking? Um, so I, I at the be, at the beginning of the week, I do a weekly review, and I will set myself two da, two two tasks per day of the week that I'm working. Um, so that would mean that I'm you know will be achieving some, something between six and ten things that week, and that's what I stick to: two tasks a day, one one in the morning, one in the afternoon, generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I focus on doing small, you know, not much, but I try to make sure the things that I do do are high impact. Yeah. Um, I give myself permission to go for a week without um, having any meetings and just being hunkered down in my manhole doing creative work. Um, and when I do seek out client work, um, I try to make sure that it's, it's very profitable for me so that I don't have to be looking over my shoulder trying to find more work. Um. so I try to go for larger pieces of work that are based around, you know, my core expertise or preferably about me doing a workshop for a day for someone, which I love. And then I don't have to work for the rest of the month if I can get one of those. Um, So I try to. Yeah, I, I, I guess I really pursue buffer as much as I can.
1: Mm -hmm. i love that one of the things i talk about with my five fundamentals the first thing is about simplifying and uh, being very clear about what you want to do and what you don't want to do and then basically aligning you know everything that you do to to that uh and you know i certainly you know um i guess i as i've read essentialism as well i'm probably applying some of that uh you know intentionally and unintentionally um you know doing the same thing and uh and, and trying to make that space for other stuff and it's funny when we talk about working in the evenings I sometimes think to myself well most people would say that's a bad thing but actually you know today I've been out and about with my daughter it's the school holidays I haven't done very much at all today you know yeah. now is probably the the most work I've done all day um and that's <laughs> fine you know and but I will do some work later and so you know that isn't a problem on the basis that I've had most of the day to do you know those other things
0: and also I think the benefit of us people who work at home is we've got the privilege often of enjoying what we do, you know, for me to spend an evening working, I enjoy that, mm. um, so, you know, I mean, this is how sad I am, is the other night, it was a Friday night, and um, we sat with the kids, and I said, right, I said to my wife, right, I'm off, I went to a hotel around the corner, um, and they've got a nice kind of sky bar, sat there with a laptop, and I spent the evening working on a, a database. That, catalog- that, that that's my business dashboard but i loved it i just i absolutely <laughs> love loved it i really enjoyed it and um to me that that's fun now admittedly i've got to unplug as well right so if i'm doing that all the time i'm not unplugging but I, for me i just love that um i also spend a lot of time thinking and journaling about who i am and what work am i doing and am i doing my best work because i, I think i'm a real firm believer that if one is going to be a consultant or a coach or a freelancer, you've really got to go big on the thing that you do. And that requires you to trade off. And that's a kind of key essentialism idea, you know, is trade off is go, okay, those are things that I could do. Let me pick out the thing that I should do, that I want to do, that is my nine or 10 out of 10 skill. Let me focus on that and say goodbye to the six, sevens and eights. Yeah. Um, and so that requires you to really think, and trade off and pit one thing against the other so um, something that I'm good at that I've done for years is events I've run around 400 events um, through my career from you know loads of small workshops to hundreds of Sunday church services to large concerts, conferences, even festivals of thousands and thousands of people but I've decided it's not my best contribution, I will not run events anymore And that decision, when I finally came to it, was just liberating, because I go, okay. The thing that I am good at, though, is coming up with ideas and communicating them so that people can understand stuff and apply it. Mm-hmm. So I'm majoring on that. So, I, I, yeah, I, I guess I spend a lot of time thinking about what it is that will be the best stroke for me yeah. and trying to focus on that and trying to get all the other stuff out of my hair, including turning down clients if the work is just not moving in the direction that I think I, I should be going in. Mm.
1: That's really, really interesting. And, um, something that I guess is really hard for a lot of people. Um, but as you say, I suppose essential is the, is the, uh, the keyword with that, it, you know, and it does make such a difference, doesn't it? To then know that you are doing the stuff that you really want to do. And is the best yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I'm really passionate about, about this. Cause I think we do, you know, look, look I mean, I, I need work as much as the next person. And so I, no, in no way am I swimming in reserves of cash. I've taken big risks to go big on what I feel in my nines and tens rather than dwell on my sevens and eights and try to make them work because perhaps they're a bit more accessible.
1: Hmm. They're a
0: bit more obviously the things that people buy. Um, so turning those things down has cost me money. But it has enabled me, and and I know this, I'm someone who focuses intently on something. So I can't have a dual focus. I can't focus on doing something that's a seven and an eight, as well as develop something that's a nine or a 10. I can't do both at the same time. No. And the benefit of that trade-off for me has been that now when I do score that nine and 10 work, they're large enough contracts that I go, boom, great. I've got some breathing space now. um, and that is very rewarding.
1: Yeah, and I think you know the one line uh, a bit earlier when you said you know if you get a, a, a workshop, then that means you don't really have to do work for the rest of the month. That that um, yeah. at most. Oh, my voice is going. Hang on.
0: It's a <laughs> joke. Yeah. yeah most. I, mean, people, I can elaborate on the point while you sip is certainly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's. So most people most would just people keep going. Have.
1: Yeah, because people would feel scarcity or worry that it won't carry on. You won't get one next month or whatever. Most people would keep working sort of frenetically. And actually, I just love that idea of just sitting, thinking, right, you know, that's it. That's done. And you'll still do stuff, but it's not, um, you know, it's get, it's getting, you know, I, I hate talking work-life balance. I talk work-life integration, as I said at the beginning. But but it is that yeah. about, you know, what's enough so that I can spend my time doing the things I want to do as well.
0: Yeah, that, that, that is something I, I, I think of. And I think like most home working people, right, I'm always thinking about, okay, how many months runway do I have? Yeah. Um, what's worst case scenario, things like that. And I try to have enough of a buffer that I can be selective enough to do the stuff that I go big on. And I'm finding that as I focus in on my nines and tens, the, it elevates me. Yeah. Um so I mean, I think this this ties into another critical subject of when someone 's working from home is that and it, i mean it affects all of us, particularly when you 're working at home is the issue of confidence um, you know when you 're by yourself and you 're not around your colleagues during the day you you 're not getting you 're not seeing your skill and action through the lens of other people on a regular basis um, and so confidence can very easily run low. Yeah. Um, you know, am I really making a difference? Am I really worth what I'm charging? Um, and certainly these tie into tie into key issues around you know getting you know should I be charging this? And then am I getting enough business? And is my value proposition too arrogant or is it too humble or whatever it might be? Um, but as I've pushed into my nines and tens, and the things that I recognize in my nines and tens are the things that I've asked other people to affirm in me as well. Because if then if I see it but no one else sees it, I've got an issue. But other people do see it. I find that it's boosted my confidence massively yeah um, and enabled me to play so now I'm able to kind of go right, I'm going to focus on working with global brands that are you know you know 100 million of revenue plus or whatever, and that's something that has come about literally in the last six weeks by me making a decision about where I want to focus. And again, going big on that decision and taking the risk, hmm. um, but but in that short space of time, I've had a had a few key leads click, and I feel like you know what confidently, I can now feel like I'm there. So I think the trade off is scary, but when it does pay off, it's really rewarding.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So changing the subject a bit to to be a bit more sort of practical with with stuff. Um, what hmm. about? Um, uh, you talked about. Uh, um, books already we've mentioned a couple that that uh that you've um used to help you to shape what you do um what about you know books tools apps music whatever well, there- what, you know what's sort of- <laughs> recommend i'm sure there'll be a lot you've already thrown two in yeah, I I
0: <laughs> yeah. so um I, I i as you know i'm very i'm very keen to mention a, a woman called gretchen rubin Um, who um, has a test on her website called The Four Tendencies. So if you just Google Rubin Four Tendencies, you can do her test. She has a book that's coming out about it. And I think it's mentioned in some of her previous books. I've not read any of her books, but I've done her test. And it it basically tries to establish how you respond to external expectations and how you respond to internal expectations. And so what you get is a two-by-two matrix. Yeah. So someone so someone who responds to both external and internal expectations, she says, is an upholder, someone that upholds what they've promised to others and upholds to what they wish to do for themselves. And my wife's like that. She's very good at, at doing both. Someone who meets external expectations but not internal, um, Gretchen says they're obligers because they will will serve others but they won't serve themselves. That's me. I will go tooth and nail to help someone else, but I would not uphold my own promise to myself. Flip of that, where someone follows themselves but they don't follow others' expectations, is what she calls a questioner or a challenger. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is when you don't uphold your own or other, other people's expectations, then you're a rebel. Then I've got a friend who's that, and I think you've got a friend who's like that as well. Yeah. And these are people that really love to explore the edges of stuff
1: yeah.
0: and are quite innovative in their thinking. Um, and that tool's helpful because as an obliger, I know that if I need to motivate myself to get something done, the way that I do it is make a public commitment about it, and then I'm obliged to meet the expectations that other people have on me. So it's like a hack for getting myself to meet deadlines and yeah. agree them with a client or agree them with my community in a way that, should I fail that, my integrity has been tarnished. Yeah, that really get, That really gets me moving. <laughs> I hate it. I wish it wasn't the case, but it's the way I work. So, hey, there we go.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. When we were talking earlier, I couldn't remember what I came out of. I think the book it is originally in is the um, the book about habits. And I can't remember. Oh, Better Than Before, I think, is the book.
0: That's and, it. Yes, Better Than Before, yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think, actually, I, I might be a questioner, um, which is the resists outer expectations and meets inner expectations, um, but I'm going to go off and do the quiz again because uh, I think it's interesting because it, it was it was in the book Best, Before, Best Than Before, which is all about creating habits and it was saying, you know, once you know uh, how how you respond or or not to such things, obviously then you can shape things around that, which is exactly what you've just said. Yeah. <laughs> you know how to manage yeah. yourself
0: now. <laughs> well, well, and again, this is a large thing that I spend time every day, I think, on this is thinking about how I work how my operating system works so I can make it run the best. And yes. I'm possibly unique in the sense of the time I spend doing that. But I think everyone's interested in it, even if they don't know how to work it out. Mm. Um, and this is something that I actually have been helping others with quite a bit. And so I'm looking at how I could help more people do it because I, I've kind of like developed a process for it now. So I look at things like, you know, you, I have exercises to help people work out what their values are. And that's really great, because when you know what your values are, you then know what to do, and you know what to avoid. Yeah. Um, so one of my values is unity, right? Um, and by unity, I mean that I, st- I, I believe and I stand for togetherness. I stand for what is common between us, what unites us rather than what separates us. As such, I'm not a critical person. I don't think criticism is bad. I think criticism is really, really valuable. But I don't do it. Because there are people who are really good at offering constructive criticism, I just stick to the point on unity because I know that that's what I'm better at. Any time that I put out a tweet that's even slightly negative, I just feel awful and delete it right away. Um, so I just having known knowing that about myself, I now know that there, are, you know, that's where I should focus. Right. So then there are just some things or positioning or uh, articles or requests that i just won't meet and i won't even i won't even try because i know it transgresses one of those values that i have Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i think that's such a key point about sort of being really clear in a whole host of areas as to what you want and who you are and you know what you're prepared to do and what you're not prepared to do and then making sure that you know you know that you bear that in mind when you're making those decisions because so often we end up (laughs) agreeing to do things don't we that just don't fit because yeah we just do
0: (laughs) yeah so like another one of mine is authenticity um so the way that i view my values is i don't view the opposite of my values as bad things i view the opposite of my values as really good things but they're good things that i'm not good at yes um so the opposite i think of unity is being able to critique i think that's a really really needed skill i'm just not very good at it but i have friends I can think of one woman who who's an Australian. She's fantastic at it,
1: mm-hmm. and she
0: does it in a, in a really loving way, but she's exceptional at it. So one of mine is authenticity. Um, so I think that uh, I wish that I was able to promote myself really boldly and say things like, buy my services and I will grow your business um, four times and I will 10x your productivity or whatever. And I have no doubt that the people who say those things are able to do them, but that's just not my style. My style is one of authenticity where I, where I speak to different emotions and I speak a different message. And so I don't even try that stuff because when I try it, I just feel like I'm wearing a glove that's ill fitting or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so I, I guess for me, I don't see the flip side of my values as bad. I see them as good things, mm-hmm. but I've chosen something else that's good.
1: Yes, yeah, and uh, so I get that bit about the authenticity. I, I'm quite similar, and it's interesting. I actually employed a social media manager to pick me up on my social media because I don't feel able to do it, um, no, but know that it's important. You know, I speak at a reasonable amount of events, some of them fairly prestigious, but I can't do the whole, you know, really looking forward to speaking at the hashtag blah, blah, blah event. Oh, yeah. So I don't do it, but I know it needs to be done, so I've got someone else to do it for me.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it. I think it's finding how what works for you. So, on my CV or my resume, I have one whole page which is essentially quotes that people have, things that people have said about me. Mm-hmm. I'm really honoured they've said, and I have a list of my clients um, that I've worked with in the past, and I allow that to speak for itself. Yeah, and so I'm more comfortable with that. Whereas I know some people who will who comfortably say. I'm a rising star. I'm a rising entrepreneur. um, I'm this, I'm that. I achieve, I achieve these results and I'm sure they are. I'm not critical of them. I've just learned that the way that I can do it is I can say so-and-so said this about me and I feel really honored about that. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So if, if I'm speaking at an event, my take would be to say something like I feel immensely privileged because I do that I'm speaking at this event yeah. Um, I'd love to get anybody's thoughts on the subject that I'm going to be talking on beforehand, so I can consider them for my talk. Yes. I feel that way. I'm. That's me. That's more me, right? Um, anyway, a, I, I think yeah. everyone gets what I'm saying.
1: Mm, yeah, <laughs> no, that's a good tip. I'll have to follow that as she's not doing it for me anymore, so I don't do it at all. <laughs> but then I suppose you have to listen to the to the feedback and remember to include it. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah well that's it or um yeah <laughs> i mean certainly that that that's true um
1: yeah. yeah cool so um any more tools or apps or books or anything that you'd like to share before we move on
0: you know i'm i'm really app oh here we go i'm really agnostic i'm apnostic <laughs> um so i'm i'm not a big fan of apps so my phone i have no business apps um, in fact, about as businessy as my phone gets. is I have a banking app, and I have a dictionary because uh, I love words, and I have my calendar. I have no notifications on my phone. iPad is the same. Um, I, I yeah, I'm just not a big app person. Um, this sounds arrogant. I just, I guess, I just try to get down and do the work. Yeah. There, yeah. So I don't have like a to-do list manager. The only thing that I do have, which I've developed myself, is I have a fantastic kind of spreadsheet database that I use to manage my business, my outreach, my marketing efforts, um, monitoring key stats, you know, revenue or conversion of prospects or conversion of people onto my mailing list. Mm -hmm. And I was using a um, spreadsheet for that. But I've just over the last month started using a really great app called Airtable.
1: Oh, not heard of that one.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. So it's an online spreadsheet come database. Yeah. So it's a bit like Excel. You've, it works a bit differently. So you've got to get You've got to get your head around it. But once you get into it, it is really good. Ah. And what it solves for me is the issue of collaboration, because when I was using a spreadsheet, I couldn't share it with anybody without them going crazy and editing it, and then the formatting would change or whatever. Whereas with Airtable, because it's web-based, you can share it, and it's got a really nice iPad app, and it's also got a desktop app for um, PC or for Mac. That really helps too. So Airtable for me is my big thing. So I've got this database where I've got my goals, the things that I'm doing per week. I've got my two tasks per day in there. I've got um, my prospecting i've got my current clients that i'm working on plus the status of where they are with billing or where they are in the project um and then also it i've done some scripting because i like developing as a hobby to create some automated stats for me um and it is just working a treat absolute treat i'm really enjoying it
1: i need to introduce you to jason buckner he was one of the um Early podcast guests, and he raved about excel <laughs> and uh, he's yes. now an automation expert and uh he that 's what he does for his clients and
0: uh, yeah
1: love airtable i 'm sure I will send him a link
0: <laughs> i 'm sure he would i mean automation and stuff is really fun i mean i again i 'm not crazy in automation; I really have an essentialist motto of like as little as possible, but Airtable has been really fun <laughs> I have yeah. to say, the geek in me loves it that that's the app that i was using the other friday night when i went to the sky bar yeah was i was playing around with Airtable and i just <laughs> loved it i was tweeting the founder saying um i just love i love your app and he followed me and i was like oh this is just awesome
1: yeah you're right that is a bit sad
0: <laughs> now, that is I, sad, it's it not is sad.
1: i would do i think yeah no, it sounds great so i just remember before we started recording you told me you were on a Did you call it a book fast?
0: I am on a book fast. Tell me more about
1: that. I'm intrigued because I... Right.
0: (laughs) All right. So the story goes that as a minister, I had a pretty big theology library. Um, Plus, before that, I'd been a consultant and I'd um, I'd run events and things. So my library was quite large on the business side as well. And I just collected books like crazy. I think I got to the point where my library was about 2,000 books, which... Um, It's pretty sizable by most standards You've got some people who have a library of say 10,000 books, but 2,000 is a lot And for my tiny office, the books were just stacked up to the walls, on every wall up to the ceiling Yeah So it was just, it was was crazy And it was a year ago that I was listening to Centralism again, around the time of my son being born I've listened to it a few times since then, I listened to it about once a quarter Um, And I thought to myself this is just crazy I've got all these books I'm not reading them and I was believing the lie that first of all if I owned them therefore that meant that I imbibed all the knowledge through (laughs) osmosis yes Um, I've done that (laughs) (laughs) right which I think I think uh, yeah I think most people have done that Um, the second thing is I couldn't walk into a bookstore without the agony of seeing all these books and going if I just own that if I just owned that then I'd buy the book and either I wouldn't read it, or I'd read it, and it wouldn't make the change that it promised. And I realized that books, as much as I love books, they are, they're they're still marketed to make you buy them with great covers and great quotes and great ideas, particularly this new smart thinking category in Waterstones. And they're really alluring, but they're actually a distraction. Yeah. Um, and I think that the books, which are truly awesome, are few and far between. And I think most books could be a fraction of the size, but they're padded out to fit, to fit nicely on the shelf. So I said to myself, right, first of all, let's address all the books I have. So I gave away, I've probably about 500 books, so I gave away about three quarters of my library. Mm-hmm. Just gave, gave it away. So I'm, I'm in the process still of selling my weightier theology books because some of them, you know, will fetch, say, 50, 60 quid. Yeah. Then, so that was last year, at the beginning of the year, I said to myself, right, no new books at all this year. And what I started doing is if someone recommended a book to me, at first I'd go, oh dear, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? I'd hint as if maybe they could buy it for me so I didn't break the rule. And then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, terrible. And then I actually went to, figured out that if I go to goodreads.com, yeah. And, look at, and look at the first, look at, I don't know, say the top five reviews I can probably get from those top five reviews, there'll probably be a review in there that details the book, in, 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 in fair enough, in, you know, fairly enough that it will cover what each chapter is about what the main ideas are, to the point where actually I will review that I'll make notes on that, I then turn the notes that I make into a personal proverb That's one of the ways that I learn and for no money, I've I've actually got the lesson, got the main thing of the book, saved myself the money. But also critically, I've averted that terrible fear of missing out through not owning the book. Right. And so for me, again, it's another uh, manifestation of essentialism is I believe that what's essential is few and far between. And um and that most stuff is just trivial and nice, but not not life-changing. And life's just too short to try to play around with these ideas. I'm never going to be able... You know, you've got people who do a PhD in a tiny, narrow subject and still not master it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm crazy to think that I can, you know, read every book under the sun. So I just, yeah, I took drastic action, and that's where I am. Wow. Wow. I won't
1: be doing that, but... <laughs>
0: Wow. So I've just gone through all of that. I've preached the gospel of book fasting and I've not converted you. Clearly, this is not a compelling proposition.
1: (laughs) No. Well, to be fair, I do get most of my books through um, Kindle or audio now so I don't really Add to my physical book collection And, uh, and I've pared that donut down Over the years but um, There are lots of books that I haven't read <laughs> On my Kindle so maybe I do need to do Yeah Kindle, but
0: go. Oh, See I couldn't do Kindle because I, I would just be insane Then yeah well, especially, I would just be all, especially oh, I boy. found
1: a really good website where you can register and get sent an email every day which tells you which books are ninety nine p or free and I don't buy the ninety nine p ones but I do quite often download the free ones and um, oh
0: see it's just terrible <laughs> i I could not open myself up to that otherwise no, I would just be that's yeah. why I
1: haven't told you what it's called joe
0: yeah joe you 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 need deliverance from this addiction um <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I I can help with
1: that. Yeah, but you know what? When, um, When I talk about, you know, people talk about their perfect Tuesday, you know, what would they do if they could just do what they wanted to do? The only thing I ever say I want to do is read. So to be fair, yeah, sure. it is my my focus, my my the most important thing for me. Whereas uh, it's peripheral to to some people. So, uh, but anyway, no, that's really good, cool. So we're we're coming towards the end. So um, I've got just two questions. I want to make sure that we do cover off. Um, we've only got a few minutes though. Um, so firstly, what what about if things don't go right? What do you do if you have a a day where it hasn't gone right?
0: Um, have a beer.
1: <laughs> <What's your
0: plan? laughs> have a beer. Go, go, get an early night. I have a, I have a saying to myself that when I'm dealing with a frustrating situation, sleep before I speak. Oh, I like that. So mm-hmm. I, I sleep on it, and that doesn't just mean speak to other people. That means speak to myself. Um, begin all that negative self-talk. Sleep on it. Review it in the morning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that one. That's good. And. What about those days where you end the day knowing you've had the chance to live more? And that's where I talk about doing the things that you want to do rather than things that you feel you should do or have to do. What what uh, what will that day have looked like?
0: Oh, geez, I don't know. <laughs> that's a tricky one. What? like, So is this is this my ideal day?
1: Yeah, it could be your perfect Tuesday, your ideal day. Yeah,
0: my perfect Tuesday <laughs> would be hanging out with people in an, in, in, walking around an inspiring city, with my family, meeting new people, discussing really fabulous ideas, um, and enjoying interacting and experiencing a different lens of life, um, and probably having a five minutes of fame in the midst of it. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> um, that, that would probably be, be mine, I suppose, yeah.
1: Lovely that's that's quite different to some of the ones that have been shared so I always like that question because I get such different responses so uh, I'm just imagining what that five minutes of fame will be you could (laughs) you could do something really dodgy in the middle of that and and be famous for it but that may be not quite what you meant.
0: (laughs) Well no I think it's more just I I I, I don't I, I shy I shy away from the spotlight but also I enjoy it at the same time. I've got this very difficult relationship with it. So yeah. I think it would be being in it, but only for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Lovely. So Scott, how can people find out more about you and get in contact with you?
0: Um, uh, my website, Scott Gould, uh, I'm on Twitter at Scott Gould. Um, Although I don't recommend you follow me. I don't think I'm that good at Twitter, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But on my website, I do have a newsletter. And once a week, I send out an email with with like an engagement tip in. And that's probably the best thing that I do. And that's completely free and and unspammy. I never talk about my services. I just talk about what I could, you know, what you could do that would help you with some of your engagement challenges. So that's what I recommend people sign up for if they're going to do anything.
1: Lovely. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me, Scott. Some really
0: interesting oh, thank you, ideas
1: and, and things shared there. So I really appreciate your time.
0: Oh, pleasure. Thank you for doing this podcast so consistently and faithfully.
1: <laughs> Are you a home-based coach or consultant feeling like you need a bit of help? Our Power to Live More Calm membership is designed to meet you where you're at with the help you need in the moment so you can get unstuck, move forwards and get stuff done. You might think this sounds too good to be true, or maybe wondering how it'd fit with how you work and run your business. Why not have a no-obligation chat with Jo to see how she can help you? All you need to do is go to powertolivemore.com/calmcall.
0: Use your power to live more.